You are listening to the Family Business Podcast, the podcast aimed at delivering insights to help your family business thrive. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and each week I'll be bringing you interviews from family businesses and their advisors from all over the world. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Well, hello and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth. Uh, and this week, through the magic of technology, I'm talking to a lady called Kim Harland, um, who is an Australian lady who runs a, a business. She's the managing director of Insights, which is an online education resource for family businesses. Uh, and through the magic of technology, I'm talking to Kim from, uh, I think you're actually on holiday, aren't you, Kim, in, uh, in Vancouver? We are, us. We are. We're on a family getaway, yeah. Well, well firstly, thank you very much for, for taking the time to um, speak to us today. And, and I really appreciate that um, you're taking time out of your holiday to do this. So thank you. That's quite all right. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Great. Um, so the topic of today's uh, podcast is loosely titled Women in Family Business. Um, and the reason for that is um, through Kim's um, involvement with Insights, uh, you've undertaken some um, research on uh, women in family business. And I'd, I'd be interested in talking to you about the trends that we see within family businesses with regards to um, women. And um, before we get into that, perhaps it'd be uh, an opportunity to sort of uh, introduce yourself and, and give a bit of background as to how you became uh, MD of Insights and doing what you're doing. Yep, that sounds fine, Russ. So um, just a little bit about Insights first. We, As you said, it's an online education portal specifically for family businesses and it has a... Um, a wealth of content for family businesses on there. It's family businesses talking about their own successes and uh, challenges um, and also some advisors, globally known advisors in the um, family business arena and some academics. Look, and those, as I said, there's a thousand pieces of content on there. So they're really wow. short videos, two, three minutes long. Um, yeah, just to help family businesses better understand how other family businesses succeed. There's some course content on there as well, online course content at one to three hours and um, uh, some short interactive activities. Look, and I guess why I went down this path of being involved with um, education for family businesses and providing resources is that I have a history of um setting up a family business consultancy with my husband 20 years ago. So in some ways we are a family business ourselves. Yeah. Um, and uh, we realised very quickly that family businesses that have the best outcomes are the ones that are educated. They're the ones that, I guess, firstly identify that they are a family business mm -hmm. as opposed to just a privately owned business. And then um, they make the most of understanding that and then they make the most of harnessing the benefits of being a family business and then managing the risks a lot better. So I guess I really wanted to focus more and more on providing education to the family businesses in our region, which is, you know, the Australia Pacific region. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, Insights was my way of doing that. And as you say, it's a not-for-profit entity. Fantastic. Um, and I, I'm guessing given that you, you've sort of got 20 years experience, you, you're in a very good position to be able to sort of comment on the trends that you may have seen, not just regarding women in family business, but, but family business in general. And actually, the, the, 
the field of academic study on family business is still fairly young in that sense, isn't it? I understand it's only uh, 25, maybe 30 years old, which is incredible considering how long family businesses have been around for since the start of time. But really identifying them as their own entity is a very new concept, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's great that there's these resources out there. And I think the key point is that, and you may or may not agree with this, but I think more and more family firms are looking at themselves as um, different because of the fact that they are family businesses rather than privately owned. And I'm really appreciating that, that there's um, some of this academic research that might help to explain some of the sort of unique challenges that they're facing. Yeah, look, I, and I probably should comment, you know, in Australia, our family businesses are probably less mature than what you have in the uh, UK. Uh-huh. And I was very, very lucky to be able to work with a colleague, Freda Hertz-Brown in the States, um, a few years ago now, 2014, and, you know, the, the maturity of family businesses in the UK, US and Europe um, is so much more advanced than in Australia. But even in Australia, family businesses are starting to look inward mm-hmm. and identify what it is that they need to do. And that's exciting. You know, I'm working with third and fourth generation family businesses who are excited to think that, hey, you know, we are different and um, and we can, we can actually take some advantages from that difference and and really benefit from a business perspective, not just a family perspective as well. Yeah, that's great. Um, And you've recently conducted some research on um, specifically the role of women in family businesses. Um, And I believe it's available as a free download or or e-book from the the Insights website, which we'll, we'll link up in the show notes if you're okay with that. Um, but but what have, what's that shown you? What what have you learned from from conducting that? Um, look, I'll just just to be really clear, uh, Russ, I didn't do any research. I've published some and and commented on some Ernst and Young research. Uh-huh. Um, my research, I guess, if you want to call it research, is really anecdotal comments. I was really lucky to be able to feature seven women from around the world on. Um, uh, their experiences within their family businesses uh-huh. and their various um, backgrounds. You know, one lady's a sixth-generation family business. You know, uh, a couple of the others are second, third and fourth-generation family businesses. As I said, they're global, Australia, uh, India, South America, Germany and the West Indies. Uh-huh. And, uh, look, I had the pleasure of talking to them. So my research is is anecdotal research, but it was really interesting on the very, very common themes that came out of that and really how it, um, I guess it really reinforced what Ernst & Young have already published, the, the other information that I published, which was really just to uh, reinforce, um, you know, really to give some credibility to what those women were already saying. So I just thought it was really important to include you know, as I said, Ernst and Young do great research. Um, yeah. So I just thought it was really important to include that really quite specific data in there, and it just backs up everything that those women were saying. So I guess some of the things that those women really pointed out to me, and the Ernst and Young information as well, is that women really are leading the way in leadership roles in family business mm-hmm. um, and in board positions. If you consider family businesses have been around since forever. Um, they are typically very patriarchal. They mm-hmm. were typically very patriarchal models. Businesses were handed down from father to son and, you know, and the women got something entirely different, if anything, you yeah. know. Um, 
Uh, I guess an example in Australia is that the boys got the farm and the the women got, you know, a, a real estate in town or something yeah. similar to that. Basically, the boys got the opportunity to make a lifestyle and the women were, you know, you know, given a, an entirely different opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now it seems to have changed fairly rapidly that, yeah, as I said, women are really, women, sorry, family businesses are really leading the way now in terms of uh, providing women with opportunities in leadership roles. And I think that's a great thing for family businesses. Some of that has come out of necessity. Um, I think um, Prada are one of those examples, you know, where they were trying to hand down to the, the, the men of the family business in the, in the 1940s and uh, realised none of the actual, none of the men wanted the role. So their only option was out of necessity, they had to hand it down to the new CEO was a woman right. uh, who then ran with it. So, yeah, so I guess um, the trend is really that, yeah, women are taking the opportunity with both hands and family businesses are taking the opportunity with both hands and running with it. Mm-hmm. The other thing to keep in mind that that Ernst & Young research points out is that if there's women leading either in the business or in the family leadership roles, the outcomes of the family businesses are better, mm-hmm. there's better profitability. There's better cohesiveness, and that's it seems to be quite clearly linked to the fact that women in leadership roles, if they're driving the family business, are focusing on the values and the inclusiveness of the business. Uh-huh. So all of those things really add up to you know great opportunities for families, great opportunities for women as well. And it's nice to see that family businesses are the ones that are leading the way. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you touched on the point there on on cohesion, um, and I won't expect to, to, you to have heard this week's episode of the show because it's only just been released, and, and given the time difference, I think it's um, pretty early in the morning where you are. Um, but but the episode we've released today is is um, a lady who actually features in your um, ebook, which is Doris Scheibenbogen. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, and she comments that um, that the uh, sort of commonality of conflict arising or, or the, the the amount of times conflict arises within family business reduces when women are in senior roles because the, whether it's a sweeping generalization or, or not there seems to be more emotional awareness w- within um, women and, and they will um, perhaps take a step back from a conflict before uh, you know male pride gets in the way sometimes and it just just carries on and escalates and escalates um, and, and that's been reflected in in actual business results uh, from the findings from Ernst and Young that's not you know that's not somebody just thinking that's the case that they are being yeah. reflected yeah exactly I did listen to your uh, previous uh, podcast Russ, Cara uh-huh. McCabe, and I think yeah. she was a very interesting lady and a great example of women can also bring an entirely different perspective to a business. Again, that's a real male-dominated industry Yeah, uh, that she's making sheds by the sound of it. Yeah. Um, and bring an entirely different perspective and an entirely different energy to yeah. it as well, to the business. So I think that's, you know, just something, um, yeah, to take note of. And I guess, yeah, you're right, you know, that reduction of conflict is – um, a great bonus for family business because, you know, having worked in the field for so long, um, that's often the way that family businesses present yeah. to us um, is that, hey, we're in crisis because of a conflict. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Um, and I think what, what Cara shows as well um, is that 
that women are more than capable. They, they used to be, I don't know why this is, and, and it's probably before my um, sort of generation, that there seems to be this misconception that women aren't as capable within leadership roles um, as men, which is a ludicrous um, suggestion, but it was something that just seemed to be the norm uh, up until recently. It's great to see it changing. Um, but but in, here in the UK, we, we've got um, quite big issues at the moment around gender pay gaps uh, and that men are still being paid significantly more than women for doing the same role. Um, and family businesses have the opportunity because they're um, owned by the family to, to um, sort of step up and set an example for the rest of the world as to, you know, how beneficial it can be to, to allow uh, not, not women for the sake of it, but the best person for the role to step into that role. Yes, that's so true. You know, it, it's, um, yeah, you know, family businesses still need to go through the processes of making sure they do have the best person for the role. But just because your surname is, is on the banner out the front doesn't mean you get the job. Yeah. But um, I think it's, yeah, you know, women need to be included in that conversation, you know, included in the pool of applicants, you know, in an equal way. Um and I think that's happening now. It was interesting. One of the ladies uh, that I interviewed for the ebook, uh, Karina Wright, is a sixth generation. She's a sixth generation family business that I mentioned, based in Australia. They're a um, uh, a vineyard um, mm-hmm. in South Australia. And she made a really good point. She said there is no glass ceiling when you are an owner operator. Yeah. So women can set the structure for themselves. Um, and and I think that's a, a really healthy thing. You know, you can create what you want around you to make, you know, make the, the journey better and the direction for the family business better when when you are the woman leading. Yeah. And I think what the book highlights um, is how many inspirational figures there are to, to set an example and to, um, to follow that example that, you know, if you think you can do it, you can do it, and, and there's proof that, that it can be done. And I think being within a family organisation will, will help that rather than hinder um, I mean, that said, yeah. that there is probably still a large number of cases where daughters are overlooked in favour of, say, the eldest son in that sort of traditional succession um, planning. Yeah. But firstly, why do you think that is? And, and secondly, what what can family businesses do to kind of try and alleviate that and get, get to the point where they're putting the best person in the, in the right seat? I think, um, I honestly think it's changing from... So I do think we're well along that path, Russ, but I think probably um, the male-dominated industries that we were referring to earlier are probably the last ones to make that change. Uh Um, And I think that all that really family businesses need to be able to do is to be open-minded about that, you know, that bringing the best person to the job. So I think, you know, that includes, that's across gender, whether it's male female um so i just think yeah family businesses need to be open-minded about everybody that's available for that role you know and and everybody will bring different but as i said this research seems to show that you know there's certainly plenty of evidence to say that you know women uh should be well considered even you know and anecdotally as Uh we're saying about car examples even in male-dominated industries there's really a place for women in terms of the changes that we um, have seen, do, do you think family businesses are ahead of the curve in terms of what we see in the non-family business space? Is there anything in your or in Ernst & Young's research in, in the ebook that would suggest that? 
Yeah, I think a lot of the information really points to that. You know, that the family businesses are well ahead of the curve. Um, I know there's some statistics in the book that talks about, you know, the number of women in um, family-owned businesses as opposed to non-family-owned businesses that are in board roles. Number of women or, or, sort of, or number of family businesses, um, family business corporations that are looking at um, investing in a woman as the next CEO mm-hmm. is much greater than in non-family businesses. Um, and then there's the other side of it as well, which is the women in uh, sorry, the the family leadership roles, which I think is not to be forgotten. Um, that role of leading the family council, leading the family office, playing a role in the family office is really uh, can be very critical as well for the managing the family wealth or um, and the family direction to the family business as well. So yeah, family. The Ernst and Young evidence says that family businesses are way ahead of the curve on that in terms of board board members um, and the percentage of women in leadership in their businesses. Fantastic, which is, um, again, very good to hear um, from, from that perspective. Um, yeah. And, and we've mentioned, obviously, you've interviewed um, lots of family business or female family business leaders um, from uh, around the world. Uh, um, did you observe any common themes when speaking with them? A few. Yeah, a few of them. They all talked um, historically about that things have gotten better over the last 15 or 20 years, I guess. And I only I only use that number of 15 to 20 years based on roughly, you know, their ages. They talk about when they first came into their family business and when they first came into a leadership role, how things have really progressed. So that is a really common theme. You know, another common theme that I really think I need to draw out here um, is that um, slightly greater than 50% of the downloads of the ebook are actually men. Oh, okay. um, and that is really, as I said before, I think that's an openness by family businesses in general to want to understand how do we include women in family business roles, uh-huh. in sorry, in, in leadership roles in our family business. And the, a common theme that they all said was, and I think I mentioned this to you in the prep for our podcast, I was initially going to ask, what woman inspires you? That was going to be one of my six questions. What woman inspires you yeah. as a woman family business? But I, I didn't. I spoke to a colleague and he, and he said, you should, why are you limiting it to what woman? It should be just what person. And I was really pleased to see that the common theme amongst all of the women that I interviewed was that the people that inspired them the most were nearly always the men that helped them on their leadership journey. So mm-hmm. that's their, their fathers, their husbands, and their brothers, mm. in one case, father-in-law, um, wow, okay. Anna Maria. Uh, she's based in South America, and uh, she was inspired by her father-in-law's ability to set up such an incredible business and um, to make it a, a successful family business. So the common theme is that they're all, yeah, really um, inspired by a broad variety of people, but they're really the men in their family businesses are really helping them on their journey. So that's a really pleasing thing to see. Yeah. They're probably most common themes, that things are changing and that, you know, men are part of women in family businesses' journeys as well. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think there's um, perhaps a need to recognise the, the different um, cultures as well that, that are featured within um, the book, because uh, as far, and I, I may be wrong on this, but but I think there were some 
um, laws changed in India that allowed um, female members of the family to actually join the business. Um, it, I, whether it was a law or a legal thing or a tradition thing, but my understanding is that um, women up until recently weren't actually able to to join the family business and things like that changing in in um, cultural senses is obviously again very positive. Yeah, exactly. I was I didn't know that, um, Russ. I wasn't I, aware of that. I, but I, I may be say. wrong. I, uh, I'll just caveat that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I can't remember where um, I heard it, but but I th I think it was something that I saw. Um, an article on. Yeah, look, I um, it was good to be able to interview Priyanka. She's from India for this um, e-book as well because, yeah, you know, she just gives a diversity of thinking and she had some very lovely, very traditional quotes that she referred to in um, answering the questions that I put to her. Um, she is certainly um, leading their family business and I'm trying to think at what point her family business is, is, I think it's probably third generation. Right. Um, certainly she's, yeah, she is certainly a leader in that space, not only for her family business, um, but for the industry organisations that she's involved with, which is probably a good point too, Russ. You know, your last question, what's the common theme amongst all these women? All of them are giving in other ways above and beyond their family business as well. They're all involved in industry organisation. They're all involved in mentoring Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, yeah, that that's really um, something to note as well. Yeah, and again, it just backs up the, the fact that there are people out there who are doing it and are being inspirational at the same time um, because yeah. it's important that that message gets across that um, it, it is doable um, and exactly. probably more so now than it has been for, for many years. Exactly, and I think it's good for other you know, younger women coming through to be able to see um, people ahead of them. You know, that's that, that um, always spoken about mental thing. You know, if you can see someone leading the path ahead of you, then it, it is inspirational, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and given that, you know, things are um, changing, we've seen changes over the last um, 10 or 15 years, um, there are obviously still challenges facing women in family business. Did, did, do you think that there is a, a single biggest challenge? Um, if I reflect on what the women spoke to me about in in the ebook, um, it, it again seems to be the historical point that uh, that they weren't initially accepted, but that that is changing. Mm -hmm. So that was the one thing I asked all seven: and what is your biggest challenge? And the majority of them said not being accepted as a a woman in their role when they first started in leadership, but but they all then made the comment, but it's changing, but it's getting better. Right. Um, uh, Leah, one of the, the the ladies that I spoke to, uh, an Australian family business, you know, made the comment that it's not unusual for her up until fairly recently to have that classic thing of entering a boardroom and being asked to uh, being told what her the other board members tea order is so that she could go and retrieve and then have the embarrassing situation of saying actually I'm here for the meeting um yeah wow. so <laughs> she even said that's changing <laughs> I mean yeah look even that even happens to me this is a terrible thing but it, you know it, it even happens to me and happens to all women I guess you know in the workspace but I can be sitting um next to my husband you know amongst our staff of a dozen people and and take a phone call and the person on the other end of the line will ask me if I'm David's PA. Um, 
Oh, it's a little cringeworthy, but yeah. um, no. We're getting there. That's still a challenge, but you take it in, um, you know, take it in your stride and probably help them um, to perhaps ask that question a little better next yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and um, for a day job, I'm a financial planner, and we, we very often sit down with, with families and, and husbands and wives. Um, uh, and when I was doing um, my training, which, uh, again, probably would have been 10 or 15 years ago, um, some of the people that, that I was observing would only ever speak to the husband because they just didn't think Ooh. that the wife would have any understanding or interest in the, the financial side of it. And, you, you know, you yeah. sit there cringing, thinking, what, what, why are you just ignoring this person that's sat in front of you? It, it's absolutely ludicrous. But I think, fortunately, we're, we're 15 years beyond that now. Um, so, so hopefully that's, that's changed. Yeah, exactly. And I think that as, you know, the woman, all the women I was speaking to were historically sort of saying that that has changed over their time. So that's good. a good thing. That's only a good thing. You know, people do that at their own peril, I think, Russ. So yeah. that's um, yeah, absolutely. To think about. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess uh, uh, in terms of uh, overcoming that, the, the family businesses, um, as you say, there seems to be a natural inclination and, and um, interest in understanding how to to make it easier um for for um women to take on the roles that have traditionally been held by eldest son uh, as an example um and i think that i'm right in saying that, that the biggest way to overcome that challenge is to continue making progress towards it yeah yes i agree yeah um look you know and there's things that family business can do to make sure that you know they're engaging with the women in their family group, you know, make sure they have they are educated. I think um, a lot of those women talked about making sure they had an education in the family business. It's really interesting to think, you know, all of those women also talk about the the, the information. Sorry, the value of the, their history. Uh-huh. The value of the history of the family business is really important. So family businesses probably need to make sure they're aware of that and make sure that yeah, there there are uh, uh, mentors or role models available for the next generation of family business members coming through, regardless mm-hmm. of gender. I think all of those things cut across gender, really. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's, that there's some great um, resources out there for um, accessing things like that. I mean, you've got um, your own um, site, which is the, the Insights um, website, which we will, again, signpost to people in the show notes. There's lots of other organisations. As you yeah. say, Ernst and Young do research. In Australia, and I'm not sure what you have in um, the UK, Russ, but in Australia we also have the peak body for family businesses, is Family Business Australia. Mm-hmm. They've had, um, a, over the years, they've provided some really good um, content and good education for family businesses. Um, and I know there are similar organisations, you know, Europe and the States in FFI, for example. Yeah, yeah. so, and the, I think those things are all becoming a little more commonplace here. Uh, if I talk about Australia specifically, you know, I think that um, myself and FBA, you know, we're, we're really trying to lift the profile of family businesses uh-huh. um, you know, through through insights and, and what they're doing with family businesses as well. Yeah, and here in the UK, we've got the Institute for Families and Business as well. Um, and they do some yeah. great work. They, they lobby our politicians. They kind of fight the corner for... Um, UK family businesses and as you say you've got the FFI um, who are based in America but they're, they're global as well 
Um, so, so there's lots and yeah. lots of resources out there for family businesses to to call upon, which is obviously um, great given relatively how young the understanding and research into family firms is. Exactly. Yeah, I I agree. Fantastic. Um, one of the questions that really stood out in the um, book was that you ask your uh, the, the ladies that you interview what advice they would give to their 25-year-old self. Um, so I'm going to um, flip that on you now and say, uh, what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? You know, those ladies are so generous in their answers and that's such a tough question, Russ. <laughs> it is. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it prompted you to think about it as well when you it were did. reading it. it did, it's yeah. not an easy um, I grew up in a small country town in Australia, so um, no one from my country town, which is Gunnada in New South Wales, is ever going to hear this podcast. Uh-huh. But it was a small country town, and I think I was probably, I led, you know, uh, a fairly, um, I wasn't aware of what I could achieve. Put bluntly, when I was, you know, going, getting my education and then moving on to higher education, women became nurses or teachers. I wasn't aware of everything else that a woman could become because of, you know, just a, yeah, very, you know, um, isolated town perhaps and, you know, no internet, no nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, Look, probably the thing that I would tell my 25-year-old self is to invest in yourself. Don't be afraid of investing in yourself. Um, and that includes predominantly, you know, in terms of investing your own education, lifelong mm. education, I think, um, is critical. And probably to back myself a little bit more, mm-hmm. which I think is maybe not an uncommon thing for women as well. I know you and I have spoken about that whole imposter feeling yes. that is not uncommon, you know, regardless of our role. Um but that would be, they would be my two things, just to invest in myself more predominantly in terms of education uh-huh. and just to back myself. You know, I think everybody feels like an imposter. So, you know, and I'm, I guess I'm forever feeling like that. So, yeah, that would be my that, two things likewise. that I would tell them. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think what's really interesting about that question as well is that it's your 25-year-old self and not kind of, not your 18-year-old self or your 15. Because 25, you've gone sort of through childhood you've come through adolescence you've had your sort of formal education and, and become an adult and, and it's from that point on that you, you're sort of um, asking people to focus what, on what they would change uh, and I think that's yeah. a, a really interesting spin to put on it because it's very easy to go back and go well I, I would have spent more time at school actually listening um, but, yeah. but it, it forces you to think about um what what changes you would perhaps make um but but for me it also highlights that uh, i mean 25 for me was 13 12 13 years ago um mm-hmm. and, and i look at how quickly that time has passed um mm. and then i think well actually i've got all this time ahead of me now to to say right. what i would do uh, and my future self is sat there now judging me on the decisions i make from here on in and you kind of think well that's for me, it's a little bit mind-blowing that in five years' time, I'm going to be sat back looking at, at what I've done and whether I'm happy with myself or not. It's uh, it's good to sort of put that landmark down, though, to draw that line in the sand, isn't it? I totally agree with you. That question is so much easier to answer when you think about your 16-year-old self. Yeah. But you're an adult 
and you've made adult decisions. I think the positive spin for me and, you know, you and no doubt most people on that is that there are a lot of really positive things I'd say as well, you know, like you're doing the right thing, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, Yeah, so, you know, and and things will work out fine because basically generally things do work out fine, you know. But, um, yeah, so that's the positive side. But I do think it's really interesting to... Yeah, think about your future self, you know, how are you going to judge yourself? And, yeah, that 25-year-old self is is a really interesting point in time. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think it's, um, as you say, it, it's really interesting to, to – or it's far easier to, to consider at, at 16 and, and pick a sort of a stock mm. answer. And, yeah. uh, you, you know, your response was to, to back yourself rather than to say, mm-hmm. I would do things differently. It, it would be to have more faith in what you were doing rather than to, to change anything, which, again, I, I think is uh, is a great thing to have. Yeah, look, that, and that's, yeah, that comes back to, as I said, you know, really at the end of the day, I feel like we're doing, you know, I must have done some things right. So, yeah, yeah maybe just to be more comfortable that, you know, that I was, you know, if you could whisper that in your ear, uh-huh. your 25-year-old self's ear, just that would be it, you know, yeah. just keep going for it, keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Don't question it much. That's it. And I think there's a, a misconception that everybody else has got it all under control. And you're the only one at 25 thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> or, or in my That's case, so at That's 37. So <laughs> yeah. I think at, you know, 25, you know, and, you know, it would be no different for you as well. For Australians especially, you're generally fairly well-travelled and that's such a big education yeah. in itself that um, I think that's really valuable. I certainly wouldn't change any of that at all. And I'd done all of my major travel anyway by 25. Uh-huh. Um but, yeah, I think, um, yeah, that, that 25-year-old self is an interesting point in time. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, it's a great question. I think it's one that our, our audience should um, should have a, a think about as well to, to kind of go back and say what would what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self and, and perhaps write down the answers. And um, if you uh, if you want to share those with us, feel free to do so. You can, you can um, email us at um, – we've got a website, which is fanbizpodcast.com. Uh, you can send those answers in. I won't share them uh, unless you uh, allow me to. Um, but if you wanted to, that's uh, a way of getting in touch. Um, and talking of websites, obviously the the ebook is available on uh, the Insights uh, website. What, what else is on there? You mentioned there's some video courses. Um, do, do people sign up to those, or, or how do, how does that work? Yeah, Russ, the website is insights.org.au, um, and Look, there's a um, a blog, uh, my blog. The there's a tab as we were talking about for the ebook, and the other information. There's a free login area to all of those resources that I've mentioned earlier in the podcast. Um, if you want to sign up for the coursework, if a listener wants to sign up for some of the coursework, which is one to three hours in length, most of the courses like communication in family businesses. Um, uh, values and vision in family business, uh, some of the topics navigating the family business minefield is some of the, the topic areas. They do have um, an annual subscription fee of $300. Mm-hmm. But as I said, by far the majority of the content is just free for family businesses to go yeah. and access and, and honestly tell other family businesses. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. And just to clarify, that's Australian dollars, isn't it? Um, that's actually US dollars. Oh, US dollars. Okay, good. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
And obviously, people can can find you at the um, the, the Insights website. But but where else can our audience find out about you? Um, LinkedIn is probably the best place to find. I think we're all fairly um, um, up on on LinkedIn. Yeah, so I think uh, LinkedIn is probably my other main area that you'd find me. Fantastic. Facebook to a certain to a smaller extent. Uh-huh. I don't know if there's a Facebook expert out there, business. Um, person maybe they can tell me what I'm doing wrong with my Facebook with okay. the insights Facebook site but there's not a lot that happens as in it's not a it's not there's not a lot of interaction but I okay. uh, I will keep working away on that so insights.org.au on Facebook as well fantastic okay um, I'll, I'll have a chat with your fair as, as to what to do because I do know a Facebook expert so um, oh, I, I can put you in touch um, but, but that's been really um, fascinating and, and once again I really appreciate the fact that you've taken time out of your holiday to, to come and speak to us um, it, it's very much appreciated um, and um, think, uh, again thanks for your time and your input thank you Russ I'm just really pleased that um, this you know, relatively small thing that I've done has really, um, yeah, really taken on a, you know, a bit, gathered a bit of global interest. So, yeah, yeah no, I'm so thank you so much for the opportunity. No problem at all. That's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to leave us a review, please feel free to do so on iTunes. If you want to get in touch, you can find out more information at www.fambiz.com fanbizpodcast.com. We'll see you again soon.